0: We're at Job 39 and we're going to go through the entire rest of the book tonight and finish it because uh, here is, there is a very important lesson that it is is so applicable to us today that we can relate to today as Job has been crying out and as Job wants justice from God. (laughs) Have you ever been in a trial and what you want is justice from God? That you believe that maybe this is not a situation that, that you uh, really deserve or that was called for in your life or, or something that, that maybe you went out looking for or you put yourself in the middle of. Well, now here, Job was crying out for justice. And what is justice? It's truth in action. That's what justice is. And justice is a part of God's character. We must remember that. And as Job is crying out for justice from God, what his friends have been trying to do is to give him an explanation of God, and everything that Job needed was a revelation of God. You see, there are a lot of times that we want to give our loved ones, or maybe those that that need the Lord, we want to give them an explanation of God, when what they need is a revelation of God. And that's exactly what Job had. He had a revelation of God as God now came and revealed Himself out of a storm. (laughs) That's what we saw last week. And Job has been questioning the will of God for him without fully understanding the wisdom of God. He's been questioning the will of God without fully understanding the power of God. And although Job's actions might have been right, although he was blameless and he was not the sinner that his three friends made him out or described him to be, Job was still guilty in that he had a bad attitude. <laughs> and, and, and through the trial, although he was continuing to, to maybe uh, defend himself and, and to, to explain to his friends that he was blameless, he had the bad attitude or the wrong attitude because he was not the saint He was not the holy, he was not the the righteous or self-righteous person that he thought of himself to be. And you know this happens often when we want to defend ourselves in front of people. We start to slowly move to a defiant, self-righteous attitude and position that is not healthy at all. Have you ever been in a position where where you have to maybe defend yourself? And after defending yourself for so long against his friends, he became to have a hard heart and a very proudful attitude against God. And I pray that during this season, you would not develop a hard heart against people or a hard heart against God or a circumstance because of where we find ourselves in. Because now as God reveals Himself to Job, He also exposes now and He destroys this I-know-it-all attitude that Job had. (laughs) Because Job had that attitude. It was a prideful attitude. It was an attitude that was proud against his friends. And it was an attitude that was in some ways proud against the will of God. It became self-righteous. But now here in the storm of chapter 37 and 38 and 39, we see that, God is present in the storm. Would you remember that? God is present in the storm, and God speaks to us out of the storm. God is present in the storm. God speaks to us out of the storm. And He might not give you all the answers of the questions that you've been having for Him, but He sure does give you peace every single time when you go to His Son, Jesus. There's a lot of times that that we have questions for God. The why question Why, Lord, this trial? Why that suffering, Lord? Why that season, God? And maybe He doesn't answer all the why, but He does provide the peace in the storm. In fact, in Job chapter 38, verse 10 and 11, can we draw our attention there? Because the Lord and God shows here that He is commander, that He is in charge that He divided the waters and the sea and the firmaments, that He set boundaries. In fact, He told the water, and He has the power to say to the oceans, you may come this far to the waves, but no farther. Isn't that amazing? That's what God wants to remind you that He does in the trial for you and for me. In fact, isn't that what He's showing us right now, that He's saying, you know what, this far, but no any farther to this trial anymore. Because God puts limits he puts boundaries to everything. And what he's reminding here, Job, is that the Lord is the commander. The Lord is in authority now. Just, just imagine now receiving this message from God and it's like the Lord is telling you, relax everyone, you're not in charge. <laughs> just imagine that. I, I believe that God is reminding us that to Relax, you're not in charge. What an encouragement is that to you? In the storm, relax, you're not in charge. That brings an instant encouragement and an instant relief that it is God who's in charge. And I'll tell you this, in the storm, God is reliable in the storm and God is still trustworthy. God is reliable in the storm. He is trustworthy and there comes an end to every trial. There comes an end to every trial. And we're going to see that tonight in the book of Job. That is, He has patiently endured this trial, yes, maybe He has become proudful in the process, but is he, en- has he has endured this trial, there comes an end to every trial. You see, maybe right now we're seeing the end of our trial, in the sense that maybe we'll be able to gather again together, in the sense that maybe we're seeing hope now and relief that God is providing for us as a church and as a body of Christ, and maybe in your personal life as well. And God is reminding us there is an end to every trial. Tonight's message, the title is this, From Ruins to Restoration. (laughs) Would you write that down tonight? From Ruins to Restoration. That's the title because we see here that from revelation, you get renovation. (laughs) I love that. Because after Job saw the revelation of God, that's where the renovation of his life began. That's exactly why he had a testimony of ruins to restoration. But here in chapter 39, as we open our Bibles, we see that God continues to challenge Job about his own wisdom and about his own power that Job does not consider or doesn't understand yet. And he's challenging Job. Now he's challenging Job about his creation now. And he's saying, Job, can you oversee my creation? Do you have the power? What do you know about this in my creation? What do you know about how I formed the firmaments and the oceans? Were you there when I created it all? Why don't we pray right now as we dive into God's Word. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because we get to understand through the book of Job, Lord, how infinite you are in wisdom. How infinite you are in knowledge and in power. Lord, that your will is perfect. And because your will is perfect, we want to walk in the perfect will of God. We ask, Lord, that you would reveal yourself. That we would go from revelation to renovation. From ruins to restoration. In Jesus' name. Together, from wherever you are, you say it loud and strong. Amen. So we see in chapter 39 that he continues the conversation of the Lord. And he's asking Job, Job, can you oversee my creation? Do you know how I created everything? In fact, Job, do you know the mysteries of my creation that only I can understand? Maybe regarding even my uh, creatures that I've put as if in animals. And from verses here, from verses 1 through 12, he speaks about this. Now we're not going to read every single verse in this chapter, but I'm going to tell you what he's talking about here, the Lord. He's saying, what do you know or can you master the now mountain goat? <laughs> what do you know about the mountain goat that I created? Can you master the mountain goat? He's a wild animal. Or what do you know about or can you master the wild donkey? <laughs> do you know about the wild donkey or what about the wild ox? And he speaks about these three animals. The mountain goat, the wild donkey, and the wild ox. From verses 1 through 12, the Lord now challenges Job. What do you know about my creation or about my creatures? Can you have those wild animals naturally submit to you? No, you can't, Job. From verses 13 to 30, he now talks regarding ostriches, horses, and hawks. (laughs) You see how the Lord pulls out his creation and says, Job, what do you know about this? Oh, Job, let me challenge you. Do you know about how I created this other animal? Do you know about how my creatures submit to me and how they worship me and how they were created by me? You don't understand these things, Job. And I want to remind you that there are things that you don't understand. In fact, in regards to the animal life that I created, you can't even understand that. How would you understand what I'm doing? There are oftentimes you won't understand it. From verse 13 to 30, he says, Do you understand the ostrich? Do you understand how I created the ostrich? Or do you understand and can you master the horse fully? He goes on and he says, From verse 26 to 30, do you understand or can you master the hawk or the eagle? And when we consider these animals, we start to think about the complexity of of now creation and how the Lord formed and put things together and the science behind all of this. And he's reminding Job, look at all these things that that you don't know. And because you don't know this, you have to understand there's a lot of knowledge and wisdom in me, the Lord is saying, that you must submit to although you know nothing about. Now let's read now and go to chapter 40 because as we go to chapter 40, here the Lord starts to continue to unfold this challenge. And I love this because he confronts Job out of the storm and he challenges Job. There are a lot of times that we need to be confronted and challenged. Here in chapter 40, in verse 1, look what the Lord says. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer it. And the Lord said, All right, does the one that wants to argue with me, are you still going to question me after all of these things that you know nothing about? <laughs> after I've told you about my creatures and my creation, that person that is questioning my ways and he who is questioning my wisdom, you who are a critic of God, do you have any answers? <laughs> Just imagine after these 70 something questions that the Lord confronted Job about. Now he says in verse 1 and 2, he says, Do you still question why? Do you still question me why, Joe? Are you still questioning my will and my wisdom, you being a critic of my authority now and saying that I am an unjust God in your situation? Are you a critic now that, that maybe you have the answers to God? In verse 22, He who rebukes God or wants to correct and confirm God, let him answer my questions. Do you see how he's confronting him now? And Job finally responds from verse 3 to 5 to the Lord's correction. This is amazing. Let's go to verse three, because it says here, then Job answered the Lord and said, look at what the Lord says, what Job says to the Lord. How does he respond? Well, here we see that Job responds in humility, because humility is always the beginning of restoration. And yes, we will see Job restored, but not without humility, And not without repentance. You want restoration to take place, renewal to take place in your life? It does not happen without humility or without repentance. Now notice this. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. (laughs) After now being confronted with a revelation of God, he said, Behold, I'm nothing. Nothing. He now had a right view of God now and a right view of self. He was humbled. He was humiliated (laughs) and out of his humiliation came his humility now because he tells us this as he comes out honestly and vulnerably and says, Behold, I am vile, vile, what shall I answer you? Oh Lord, I'm nothing. How can I find the answers? to all of who you are and to all of your works. I'm nothing, God, in your presence. You see how it's so awesome to be able to notice your identity in the presence of God. In fact, he's saying, I'm insignificant, Lord. Lord, I'm unworthy. I have no right to debate with you, God. Be careful that we don't, in the trial, try to debate God and debate His will. Now, in fact, here in verse four, he says, I am vile. What shall I answer you? He goes on and he says, I lay my hand over my mouth. (laughs) We need to practice that. That's one of the most powerful verses in the book of Job. I'm going to put my hand over my mouth so that I stop speaking now. (laughs) Do you see how Job says that? I'm going to cover my mouth with my hand. You know what that is a picture of? That's a picture of total submission. I will cover my mouth with my hand. Why? Because he realizes that he's speaking too much. He has spoken too much. Our silence in the presence of God is needed in order to hear His voice. Our silence in the presence of God is needed in order to hear His voice. In fact, this is one of the most significant worship gestures and it is all uncommon that we see here that job does and he performs in covering his mouth with his hand this is an act this is a demonstration now of total submission because there are often times that we can fall to our knees yet continue speaking (laughs) but to shield now your tongue with your hand now is to yield everything do you see how that's total submission? It is not until you say, Lord, I'm a start to speak, is when you are now demonstrating total submission. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 32, what does Solomon say? He says, if you have been foolish in exalting yourself, or you, if you have been proudful, or if you immaturely have been exalting yourself, if you have devised evil in the way that you speak, put your hand to your mouth. How many times is it that we have to put our hands to our mouth so that we stop speaking and don't speak proudly? Warren Worsby says this, and I want you to pay attention to this please. He says, until we are silenced before God, He can't do for us what needs to be done. As long as we defend ourselves and argue with God, He can't work for us and in us to accomplish His plans through us. Isn't that heavy? Until now we are silenced before God, He can do for us what needs to be done. As long as we defend ourselves and argue with God, He can't work for us and in us to accomplish His plans through us. Why? Because Job here needed to be broken. And sometimes we need to be broken. And we need to realize that we must be silenced before Almighty God and let His will be done. That's what it means to be still and know that I am God. Part of being still is also being silent. Part of being still means to be silent and submitting to God. You can't say you're submitting to God if you have all these complaints. That is not the real submission. That is not real submission. Job here needed to be broken, he was finally silenced here, yet he wasn't fully submitted yet. Yes, he was yielding, yet he was beginning to s- submit, and he, maybe he, he, he was starting the submission process, he had not repented yet now. So God had, con- had to continue to challenge him, and from verse 6 to verse 24, He continues now to challenge him, and He's teaching him out of the storm from the storm, now he's teaching him. Now what did Job need to repent from? Did he need to repent from a sin that caused this trial? No, that's not what he needed to repent from. That's what his friends wanted him to repent from. He needed to repent from a proudful attitude and a hard heart against his friends and against the Lord. Maybe that's something we need to repent from as well. Repentance means a change of mind. He needed to change his mind that God was not unjust, that God is fair. Now let's notice here in verse, now that continues, uh, verse 5, once I have spoken, but I will not answer, yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. What is he finally saying here? I'm not going to speak any longer. I'm going to let the Lord do all the speaking. Now verse 6, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said out of the storm, the Lord is answering him. And look what he tells him here in verse 6 and 7, now prepare yourself like a man. He's challenging his manhood. He's challenging his, his now courage. And he answers him, or the Lord answered Joe out of the storm. Do you see how the Lord answers out of the storm? What does it mean that the Lord answers out of the storm? It means that you're not alone. Remember that. Write that down please next to that verse. You are not alone in the whirlwind. A whirlwind is like a storm or like a tornado now. And sometimes you feel like you're in a tornado or in the middle of a storm, in the epicenter of a storm, in the eye of a storm, and God is answering out of that very place. Do you see that? And he's challenging now. His courage is now, prepare yourself. Or verse 7, brace yourself. I will question you and you shall answer me. <laughs> he's going to continue to question him. He says, I want, uh, you're going to be held accountable. Prepare yourself. Brace yourself. Now let's go to verse 8 because look what he tells him now. The Lord speaking to Job. Would you intend to annul my judgment? Can you direct, can you discredit my justice? Can you prove yourself to be right? In verse 8, would you condemn me that you may be justified? Can you prove yourself to be right and discredit me, Job? Just like you have been saying that I am not being just or fair towards you. A lot of times we believe God is not being fair towards me. Well, the Lord says, I am a just God. That's part of my character. Can you discredit my fairness or my justice now and prove yourself to be right? Can you save yourself? Now, verse 9 and 10, he says, do you have the power of God? He reminds them. He says this, verse 9, have you an arm like God? Have you have an arm like God? Or, or can you thunder with a voice like His? Then adorn yourself with majesty and splendor and array yourself with glory and beauty. Can you do that? Can you strengthen your hand? you have a powerful hand? Just like the hand that I have. Do you have that? Now verse 11, Disperse the rage of wrath. Look on everyone who is proud and humble him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low. Tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together. Bind their face in the hidden darkness. Then I will also confess that you are, your own right hand can save you. Do you have the power to humble those that are exalted? Do you have have the power to bring them low? Can you do what only God can do, Joe? These are very important questions that we have to ask ourselves. Do you have the power of God? Ask yourself today. Can you do what God can only do? No, you don't have the power of God. And you cannot do what only God can do. That's why I love the the responses and the questions here that the Lord has for Job because it reminds us to trust God to do what only He can do. You see, what we can do is very limited. What He can do is unlimited. And He says, Do you have the power to do what only I can do? Verse 14, the Lord says, If you do, I will confess. I will praise you that you can save yourself, Job, since you think that you know it all. You see, the issue wasn't even only with the power of God, but it was with the justice of God that he was debating. And now he's going to move here from verse 15 to 24, and the Lord is gonna say, all right, Job, since you can't handle all my creation, since you said you cannot handle all my creation, he wants to continue to to, to teach Job some humility, give him a little bit of a a slice of a humble pie. (laughs) We all need that sometimes, some humility. He said, all right, since you can't handle all my creation, why don't you just see if you can handle two of my creatures, very complex creatures now. Two of my mysterious creatures that we see here in Job. So that you can really see if you're on my level. Because Job wanted to argue with God as if he was on his level. And the Lord said, you're not on my level, Job. Man, we have to remember that we are not on God's level. And, and the Lord's going to tell Job, Job, if, if you can do this, then I believe that you have the power and you have the wisdom to judge the world justly. Since you think that I'm being unfair and unjust to you, just let me know if you can do two of my mysterious creatures. Do you understand those? Because if you understand two, just simply two, then and only then, then I'll say, you know that I for sure am being unjust. And I'll give some credit to your argument. Now, from verses 15 to 24, he's going to talk about the Lord, an example of his might in relation to Job's weakness. Now, and what he does here from verse 15 on here to verse 24, he, that he speaks about a, a creature here, and he says, verse 15, this look now at the bee moth, which I made al- al- along with you. And he describes this creature now as of a wild ox. Now, we don't know what this creature is. A lot of commentators think that this is a wild ox that, that maybe we never got to experience. Some other commentators think that maybe this is a, a form of an early dinosaur that, that Job still lived through. And he says, look, do you know the bee moth? Do you know how he created that? Because it was a, a specimen that was unusual and mysterious and that, that Job could not understand. What, what the Lord is doing here, he's, he's getting one creature, a mysterious creature, a dinosaur type of a beast, and he's saying, do you understand that beast? You know what he's doing? He's saying, Job, I want you to know how weak you are in my presence. I created that wild beast. I master it. It is under my control and my authority. That wild, mysterious beast, that strong, wondrous creature, that specimen that you know nothing about? I'm the master of that. I created that among you. Can you explain that? No, you can't, Job. And Job understood it now. There's many things that I don't know. Let's go to Job chapter 41 because the Lord starts to challenge Job now with a second creature. He went to the bee moth and now he goes, can you catch the now, Leviathan. And what he does here now is he's saying, Job, you're powerless against this other creature. You're powerless to come against it. You're powerless against and helpless against it. You're fearful among it, amongst it. And it is something that I created. In verse 41, look at what he says here as he, op- as he opens up this. Now, next Questions. Can you draw out the Leviathan with a hook or snare his tongue with a line which you lower? Notice that he talks about hook and a line that is lowering. What does this tell us? People believe that this Leviathan was a dragon or a sea creature. In fact, Leviathan is, is a root word for the word that we get as crocodile. But it's not just any crocodile. It's like a, a wild whale or a big sea monster it was a mythical sea creature now you can you catch that with a little line that you drop on the on the sea saying you think that you can overpower that mysterious creature if you can't overpower that then you can't overpower my wisdom do you see that you see the description that he gives from from verses 8 through 11 he says if you can't overpower this mysterious sea creature then you can't overpower me joe from verses twelve to seventeen, he describes the Leviathan and how now amazing and intricate this creature was. From verses eighteen to twenty-one, he gives us a fearful description of the Leviathan, of this sea monster that was noted. And he says, "Do you understand how how just dangerous this monster is before you? How scared you are of it?" And from verses twenty-two to verse thirty-four, he talks about the might and the power of the Leviathan. The might and the power of the Leviathan. Now, we're going to see as we move into Job now 42 that here we see Job's repentance for Job's restoration. Job's repentance to, for Job's restoration now. Let's go to Job now 42 here as this is the last chapter of the book of Job you're getting excited just like I am now the last chapter this is where where everything now starts to look good for Job and Job now after being confronted about the bee moth and the Leviathan the sea creature or this wild dinosaur that he knows nothing about or every creature that the Lord mentioned or creation now and he realizes I'm gonna put my hand over my mouth I don't know as much as I thought I didn't know I'm not as innocent as I really believe I am I am actually a sinner. He, he, he becomes now humbled. <laughs> and it says here in verse 42 then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything. Wow. Is that not something, the attitude that we have to have today? Think about everything that you're hearing. And instead of being fearful, instead of looking at the situation, look at this. Instead of looking at the media, look at this verse right now. Verse 2, Job chapter 42, verse 2. I know that you can do everything. Sometimes that is enough for us in the storm. That is, that's everything that we need to say. I know that you can do everything. He responds now with repentance. He responds with a repentance and he goes on in verse 2, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you and that nothing that you purpose or that you command can be stopped. I know that nothing that you purpose can be withheld from you and the presence of God humbles Job now. He's fully humble now. I know that that you can do everything Lord and, and nothing that you want to do can be withheld or no one can stop you. You're almighty, Lord. No one can stop you. Who am I to question your justice? Who am I to question your wisdom or your will? In fact, he goes on in verse 3. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? You asked, who is questioning your wisdom and ignorance? Oh, Lord, you're asking, who's questioning your wisdom with ignorance and without knowledge? It says, therefore, I have uttered that what, what I do not understand. And in verse 3, you start to see that Job is saying, I was speaking those things that I don't understand. There are a lot of times that we speak too much. We over-communicate things that we know nothing about. Instead of saying, I'm just going to focus on what I do know is that God is reliable. He is trustworthy in the storm, even in the eye of the storm. And we see here in verse 3 that he's saying here, I was speaking about things that are too wonderful for me. There are some things that are too wonderful for you to understand. They are too full of wonder for you to understand. (laughs) There just are. Because that's who God is. He said, I was speaking about things that I knew nothing about. You see, there's a lot of times that, that we talk a lot, but we have nothing to say. We know nothing about that. And Job is saying, I was speaking about things that I don't know about. Now, in verse 4, look what he says in verse uh, 3 and 4. He says, Things too wonderful for me, which I do not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. Now, notice the attitude of Job. He says, let him speak, and I will question you, and you will answer me. Now, notice what he's saying, how he's going to answer the Lord. He's saying, Lord, God, before I knew about you, Now I have a a revelation of you. You see the difference here? Before I heard about you, now I have a revelation of you. A revelation. A personal revelation that changes the attitude of Job. This is exactly what we need. Not to know about God, but we need to have a revelation of Him. A personal one. And he says this, listen please and let me speak. You said I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. This is some of us sometimes. We've heard of the Lord by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. This is, what a testimony. I used to hear about you, but now I can see you. But now Lord, I know you personally. I used to hear about you, but now I can see you. This is amazing. I used to know only about you, but now I have a personal revelation of you. And because of a revelation of you, notice what he says now. Therefore, I abhor or I hate myself. (laughs) Just think about what Joe, he's finally, after all these chapters of justifying himself, of defending himself, now that I know about you, I really know who I am. When I see the holiness of God, I see the sinfulness in me. Just like Isaiah chapter six, woe is me, I'm undone, a man of unclean lips, when he saw a vision of the Lord. When you have a right view of God, then you have a right view of self as well, and a right estimation of oneself. You know what he's saying I abhor myself? I despise everything I said. I regret what I said. I regret my attitude, Lord. I take back everything I despise it. I repent. And look where he goes now. And I repent in dust and in ashes. Notice that word. Underline that word, please. And repent. Repent in dust and in ashes. What does this tell us? That he's confessing his pride, he's humbling himself, and he's repenting. You see, he goes from revelation to repentance to restoration. Would you write that down tonight? He goes from revelation to repentance to restoration. And we're going to see that very closely now. What is he repenting of? He's not repenting of that which caused the suffering in his life. He's not repenting of that. He held on to his integrity and he did not compromise his integrity. He's not repenting of what caused the suffering he's repenting of the outcome of what the suffering did to him. This is exactly why we need to protect our heart in the middle of the suffering. And we need to protect our mind in the middle of the suffering that we do not now become those with a bad attitude and a hard heart and become bitter. Bitter, self-righteous people. That is not the attitude that we should carry. He's repenting from saying, I wish I was never born he's repenting from saying I wish death on even my birth date and the word repentant means I'm thinking different now and this is not only for an unbeliever this is also for the believer it's a continued act of repentance that he's saying now I know now I'm repenting I, I know that God is not unjust God is a just God and I must repent before him this is so amazing Because he withdrew his accusations that God was unjust, that God was treating him unfairly, that that he realized that that, that whatever God does is right and man must submit before it. Whatever God does is right and man must submit before it. It was Charles Spurgeon that said this, and I want you to remember this, please. The door of repentance opens into the hall of joy. Isn't that heavy? I'm going to say that again for you. The door of repentance opens into the hall of joy. There's a hall of joy waiting for you and for me right now. A hall of joy in the moment of the storm. And the only thing that's stopping us is from walking through that door, and that door is called repentance. <laughs> and now Job, the sinner, became Job, the servant. Notice what happens here, because he goes from the sinner to the servant, and he learned that that what he was doing is that he was suffering, but he was suffering in the will of God. Suffering in the will of God as a part of God's greater purpose. What was God's greater purpose in the book of Job, in Job's life? Was to demonstrate what integrity and character looks like in the trial. That was God's greater purpose, to say, hey, Satan, he's not going to deny me. Notice that he is going to come out as gold now. Verse 7, let's read. And so it was, it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job. After. Circle the word after now. That the restoration happens. That the Lord said to Eliphaz. Now the Lord is going to speak to his friends. The TMI, my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends. <laughs> now he speaks to his friends and said, Hey, I am upset with you guys. Now I'm going to speak with you guys. And maybe we're the friends right now of Job. Listen closely, Job's friends. Anybody out there? I'm speaking to you now, To the Lord said. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. You have been accusing Job and using me as a way to accuse him and to condemn him and to shame him and to make him feel guilty. You have been misrepresenting who I am and my nature to Job. And Job is only speaking right about me. He might have become proudful in the process, but you have been misrepresented me. You haven't accurately spoken about me and I'm very displeased in you. Even that God doesn't put up when you misrepresent him, especially to other people that are hurting. Be careful that you don't misrepresent the Lord because the Lord will not allow himself to be misrepresented. He's very displeased with Job's friend because Job's friends came and they try to use the knowledge of God in the wrong context, to accuse Job. And the Lord said, do not ever do that. You're misrepresenting my nature. Now he goes on and he says, now therefore take yourselves seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job. Notice that he calls him my servant Job. You see how much he loves Job? Go to my servant Job and offer up yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job shall pray for you for I will accept him lest I deal with you accordingly to your folly because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has, Take animals, take them to Job. Job is going to go offer sacrifices for you so that I don't treat you the way you deserve because of how, what you've said about me. Think about how humbling this has to be for Job's friends. <laughs> Job's friend just, just spent so much time saying how now uh, just sinful he was and how much he deserved this punishment. And now they have to go to Job and say, Job, would you pray for us please? Job, so would, med- would you be that intercessor? Would you be that, that mediator for us? And, and it was humbling for his friends because now they're going to Job now. And they're saying, Job, go pray for us so that the Lord does not treat us as he ought to treat us because we misrepresenting the Lord. Now verse nine, it says, So Eliphaz the Timite and Bildad the Sunni and Zophar the, uh, the Namathite went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. Listen to that, the Lord, what did he do? He accepted the prayer and the sacrifice of Job. What does the Lord do? God accepts the prayer of a man that has repented. God accepts the prayer of a person that maintains their integrity. And God accepts the prayer of that man or woman that humbles himself before the presence of God. What does it say? The Lord accepted Job. You want the Lord to accept your sacrifice, your offering, and your prayer. In search of the repentance and humility and, and, and really posturing yourself. Job the sinner became Job the servant who became Job the intercessor. Are you an intercessor right now? But what does he do, Job, here in praying for his friends? He's forgiving his friends. And he's praying for them. And Job brought the blessing back into his own life by forgiving others. You want to withhold blessing in your life? Then don't forgive those that have wronged you or hurt you. There's a reason sometimes why the blessing is not coming in. And it's because we're not forgiving those that have hurt us. And in fact, if we only hurt ourselves when we refuse to forgive others. Job said, I'm going to forgive them. And that brought the blessing back into his life. Now, now the, the blessing is restored in Job's life. And the Lord, verse 10, restored. Underline that please, church. The Lord restored now Job's losses. The Lord wants to restore your losses. Maybe there was a season of loss. The Lord wants to restore to your losses. And Job here went from a hard heart to a now genuine heart before the Lord. From a soft heart before the Lord. And guess what happens? God restores now his losses. When he's praying for other people, he restores. When he demonstrates true integrity, he restores. And he's praying for those that spoke against him now. But when we pray, God restores. Notice that. After now... The Lord restored Job's losses. This is so amazing because God can restore all of your losses. He goes on in verse now 10. And he says this, When he prayed for his friends, Indeed the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Wow. You would ask yourself, Why so much suffering? It said that the Lord gave Job twice as much as what he had before. He multiplied that blessing. Why? Because Job endured. And it tells us here in verse 11, Then, circle the word then, All his brothers and his sisters and those who had been his acquaintance before came to him, ate food with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him. Look it. Came restoration, came consolation, came comfort. Came restoration, came consolation, and came comfort him for all his adversity or for all his trials that he faced and what did the Lord send not only that consolation not only that comfort not only that restoration and it says that the Lord had brought upon him each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold you see he was a very wealthy man he had nothing guess what happens the Lord says hey here's a fund that I'm about to give you a restoration fund and he becomes a wealthy man again in one instant you see how things can change in one moment, but God also can restore your, bless, your 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 losses in one moment. And this is the result of maintaining your integrity. You may not see it coming, you may not expect it, you may not perceive it to come the way you wanted it. But God always blesses that person that maintains their integrity and endures. Verse twelve. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He had more than what he had before. And the, now, latter was greater than the former. Would you write that promise down in your Bible? The latter is going to be greater than the former. I'm so excited for the season. As we come back into the church, and I, I, I just think about that, that we come back into the building, athlete church, we come back into a new season now as we're being restored in this situation that, that the Lord promises that after this that the latter is going to be greater than the former and it's going to be there's we're going to see multiplication now isn't that amazing that he had more than what he had before he was blessed and, re, and and restored this was the fruit of abiding in obedience and endurance that the Lord blessed him in the second half of, of his life more than in the first half maybe you're saying well, what is the Lord going to do in my life now what is the Lord going to do in my situation well the Lord wants to bless you in the second half greater than even in the first half the Lord wants to bless you in this next season more than he blessed you in the prior season but a lot of times we're saying Lord we want it to be like it used to be the Lord said no I want it to be better than that <laughs> Lord can you give it to me how I used to have it Back in the good old days? Lord saying, No, I want it to be better than that. Now notice how he says here, and he had seven sons and three daughters, and he called the name of the first Jemima. Jemima. The name of the second, Keziah. and the name of the third, Karen Hapuk. In all the land were found none woman so beautiful as the daughters of Job. Wow. And it says here, and their fathers gave them an inheritance among their brothers. Not only did he have now these daughters, but there were none found more beautiful. In fact, the Lord blessed them with a beautiful restoration with an inheritance because they received an inheritance. After this, Job lived 140 years and he saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. What do you see here? It was a generational restoration. Why? Because Job endured. Job endured. And yes, his, his endurance... Was one that maybe hardened his heart in the process. But he didn't fail in his integrity. He did not fail in that area. So Job died in old and full of days. You know, old and full of days means he died rich in, in a full life that ends well. A rich and full life that ends well. We pray that this next season will be greater than the one before. Because of God's faithfulness and because of God's goodness. You see, this setback that Job had throughout this entire book, this setback through humility, through submission, became a comeback in Job's life. Let those setbacks become comebacks through humility now and through repentance now. What did Job teach us? Even in Job chapter 23, he says, But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. When he has tested me, the Lord has been testing us. And if we endure, we're going to come out as gold purified in the fire. That everything is going to be worth it. The season is going to be worth now the value that we get out of it. And you're either going to be burned or you're going to be purified. You know, the, the, what this really teaches us, even in this chapter, chapter 42, is number one, that forgiveness is worth asking for. Forgiveness is worth asking for. And maybe you have to ask the Lord for forgiveness for an attitude that you possess that's not honoring Him. Forgiveness is worth asking for. And justice from God is worth waiting for. There's a lot of times that we want justice from God. Well, the justice of God is worth waiting for. The, the, and the Lord is just regardless of how long you have to wait or how long it's going to arrive. The justice of God, it's always worth waiting for. It may seem that it's taking long for the justice of God to be completed in your life. But you must never doubt the justice of God in your life. Even through all of God's now accounts are not settled every month. And you say, oh Lord, how come these accounts are not settled at the end of this month? They will be settled, his accounts. And justice is an essential ingredient of the character of God. So you can trust that he is a just God. He is a fair God. I'm gonna give you four last points as we end the book of Job and we close the book of Job. And I want you to write these down because these are gonna be powerful for you. In the storm, these I pray that you never forget, that you always remember, that you carry these. Number one, God's purpose is unfolding and I cannot hinder it. God's purpose is unfolding. I cannot hinder it. Trust God's purpose. It's unfolding. We cannot stop His purpose. Number two, God's plan is incredible and I will not comprehend it. God's plan is incredible and I will not comprehend it. You have to trust God's plan. It is incredible. There are times that you will not understand it. You will not comprehend it. God's plan is incredible. I will not comprehend it sometimes number three God's discipline this is my favorite is reliable God's discipline is reliable and I dare not to ignore it don't ignore the discipline of God his discipline is reliable and I will not ignore it and number four God's way is best and I must not resist it don't resist it let's cultivate an obedient enduring mind because that is the crowning mark of maturity the obedient enduring mind is the crowning mark of maturity Oswald Sanders says this to close to choose suffering makes no sense at all to choose suffering makes no sense at all to choose God's will in the midst of our suffering makes all the sense in the world To choose God's will in the midst of our suffering makes all the sense in the world. Can we say, Lord, it's not that we've chosen suffering, but if we are undergoing suffering, Lord, we're choosing your will in suffering because that makes all the sense in the world. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book of Job, that you've taught us so much from it, of it, through it, in it. Lord, we've, we've even, as a church, as a body. Lord, we've gone through it in some ways. But as Job has been restored, we pray that you would restore your your church. That we would go from ruins to restoration, from revelation, Lord, to renovation. And that we would choose, Lord, your will in the middle of the suffering and trust you in it. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we said, Amen.